0: The failure of drug war is glaringly obvious to judges, cops, wardens, prosecutors, and millions more now calling for decriminalization, legalization, the end of prohibition. Let us investigate the Century of Lies. Hello, and welcome to Century of Lies. I'm your host, Doug McVeigh. At the recently concluded meeting of the Commission on Narcotic Drugs in Vienna, Austria, the International Drug Policy Consortium, along with some national delegations and U.N. agencies, held a special event to contextualize and discuss the findings and recommendations of an August 2023 report by the High Commissioner for Human Rights entitled Human Rights Challenges in Addressing and Countering All Aspects of the World Drug Problem. On this edition of Century, we're going to hear from some of the panelists. Let's start with the event's moderator, Peggy Hicks, Director of Thematic Engagement, Special Procedure, and the Right to Development Division at the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights.
1: The midterm review provides an opportunity for states to renew and strengthen their commitment to human rights as part of transformative change to address the global drug situation. Indeed, there's a need for a robust human rights-based and sustainable development-led approach to drug policy. Without such an approach, drug control efforts are likely to impede progress towards achieving the 2030 agenda and leaving no one behind. In this regard, in this message to the 66th session of the CND, the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, Volker Turk, urged states to, quote, focus on transformative change, crafting drug policies which are based on evidence, which put human rights at their center which are gender sensitive and which ultimately improve the lives of millions of individuals affected. The obvious question then arises, what bold measures are needed for such transformative change? Uh, OHCHR's report, the entitled Human Rights Challenges in Addressing and Countering All Aspects of the World Drug Program, is our attempt to answer that tough question. The report was prepared pursuant to resolution of the UN Human Rights Council as a contribution to the midterm review of the 2019 ministerial declaration and was presented to the Human Rights Council in September of this year. It was also shared with the Commission on Narcotic Drugs at the Human Rights Council's request. The report highlights key concerns, including lack of and unequal uh, uh, access to treatment and harm reduction, the war on drugs and militarization of drug control, over-incarceration and prison overcrowding, the use of death penalty for drug-related offenses, and the disproportionate impact of punitive drug policies on youth, people of African descent, indigenous peoples, and women. The report also makes a number of recommendations to address those concerns.
0: That was Peggy Hicks, Director of Thematic Engagement, Special Procedure, and the Right to Development Division at the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. Let's hear now from Her Excellency Ambassador Laura Hill, Permanent Representative of Colombia to the United Nations in Vienna.
2: Colombia is very pleased to see this human rights report um, following Resolution 5224 24 of the Human Rights Council, um, because we think it contributes to think about international um, drug policy, to rethink international drug policy. Since his very first address at the United General, General Assembly in September 2022, my president, President Petro, made a global call for a new approach to an international drug policy from a, with a human rights perspective. Our challenge, he said, is to overcome prohibition as the dominant paradigm and implement strategies that address the structural causes of this phenomenon. And a similar call was made by a group of states at the Human Rights Council in Geneva. In this report, we feel not only that the voice of Colombians was heard, but that an important contribution was made to establish a more coordinated and linked dialogue between the UN agencies in Geneva and Vienna. Well, we're very pleased to see um, that the report provides a relevant relevant overview of developments towards a more human rights centered drug policy. And one of the fundamentals elements that Colombia sees in this report is their urgent call for a shift from punitive measures to the use of policies grounded in human rights and public health. In line with this approach, our government designed a new drug policy. that was consulted with more than 2,700 social leaders around around the country and 274 NGOs. Uh, And we have decided to do so because as you know, we are the country that most suffered the most from the impact of the failure of the so called war on drugs. Um, The Truth Commission in Colombia identified drug trafficking as a factor of persistence of the conflict and violence in Colombia. And I want to stop on this point because I think it really, really matters. All the armed actors in Colombia were and are involved in drug trafficking. So tell me, Do you think it's because we Colombians are more violent than other societies? Do you think we are born with some DNA uh, that makes us violent? No, that is not so. It's because of drug trafficking. Colombia needs to solve this situation hmm? in order to overcome the violence that keeps us from jumping to another state another level of development. So, um, after years and years of seeing that consumption of illegal substances does not decrease, we share the view that we need to bring a more um, modernized uh, uh, approach to the to, to, um to international drug policy. One that actually recognized was actually on the ground, now one that gives its back to reality. 75 years after the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and 30 years after the Vienna Conference on Human Rights, Colombia shares a call made by the Secretary General to promote the global consensus around the Universal Declaration and to move forward into a new era of human rights and a new social contract. And we will not do so if international drug policy remains what it is. So I will say, I would like to leave you with these three messages. Colombia believes that if we have a report, it's not to be transmitted to Vienna so that the report is buried under paperwork. If we have the report, it's because we want the report to be discussed here and we want to have an impact here. Now, we're absolutely convinced, of course, that this report includes recommendations and that it is the beginning of a discussion, not the end of the discussion. We understand that. But it has to be taken as the beginning of a conversation. Colombia will not relent on its commitments to human rights in international drug policy. Colombia will keep the conversation going. And my final observation is the following. I'm not speaking empty words. We are committed to this. Thank you.
0: That was Her Excellency Ambassador Laura Hill of Colombia speaking December 10th at a special event to discuss a new report by the OHCHR entitled Human Rights Challenges in Addressing and Countering All Aspects of the World Drug Problem. Now let's hear from Jindrich Voberl, National Drug Coordinator of Czechia.
3: Thank you. It's an honor to be invited to this panel. I hope... Um, we're not going to, in future, only talk to the converted, I mean, preach to the converted, but we will spread the message a little bit outside of this room. Let me point few facts, which we all know, but I'm thinking it's important to to remind ourselves over and over. 1998, we said, uh, the world free of drugs, we can do it. So, um, Look where we are now, Uh, the World Drug Report 2022 says 284 million people age 15 to 64 use drugs worldwide. The report 2023, 2096 million people. So we have a rise. Last decade, it's 23% of the rise of the previous decade. So this is the world free of drugs. Number of people imprisoned and executed and murdered is on the rise. According to the Harm Reduction International Report 2021, uh, I hope I will not uh, steal ideas from other speakers, but maybe it's good to to repeat certain certain, uh, numbers. One in five people in prison worldwide is held for drug offences. 90% of people who inject drugs will be in prison, in prison at some point in their life. 90% of people who are users, who are the victims, are going to be in prison once, uh, at least once in their life. 2 million people are incarcerated for drug offences globally. So, uh, the, the, the Human Rights High Commissioner report speaks about decriminalization, which is, uh, we uh, highly appreciated that report and we did as much as possible in Czech Republic to spread the, the, the word across. Uh, but, 191 countries, as the report also points out, worldwide still criminalize people for simple use for simple use, it's uh, uh, people that are actually diagnosable or diagnosed according to medical manual uh, with the diagnosis uh, from F10 to F19, so that ill people who should be uh, helped, not not in prison, if anything. Of course, uh, I have all the numbers, I don't want to, because it's many of us about HIV, hepatitis, We know that this is a big trouble and WHO was talking about it over and over and over for many years. Uh, There's one one little point as well which I think is important and is attached to stigma is that uh, women are actually uh, more uh, uh, often living with HIV than, than men and it's not attached to sex industry. It's because the stigma doesn't allow women to come forward to ask for help, simplifying it. <clears throat> Let me also touch the organized crime network uh, continues to operate globally and growing every year. Uh, recent unclassified uh, CIA reports and other reports from uh, uh, other intelligent, uh, intelligence agencies uh, point out that uh, a lot of this organized crime today is actually dominated by people close to Russian government, uh, namely uh, people like Viktor Ivanov, who was my counterpart until recently in Russia, uh, who is in suspicion of uh, of uh, being on top of the uh, big global uh, cocaine routes since 80s. <clears throat> so we know that uh, this is also money that flows to terrorism to wars Uh, so what is the solution of course we have a dominating policy approach which is abstinence what is the other solution the other solution as we know the only other solution in all addiction it's not only drugs it's also tobacco it's also gambling Uh, the other Possible solution is minimizing harms and risks, harm reduction approach, as the High Commissioner pointed out. And uh, let me try to to kind of uh, uh, define a new uh, word, which uh, I, I, it's not fully ready, but I'm trying to still kind of uh, think how to how to how to define it. I think we need something that we that is called that we would, could call substitution policy. I don't mean substitution from the healthcare point of view, but uh, uh, we in Czech Republic, our government uh, have a program approved, which says in the main preamble that we support uh, policies that will regulate market of addictive substances and products according to their risks and we know it from many, many numbers, I don't want to bore you and, and we have no time to, to go through different uh, situations. I will pick only one, uh, that um, if there is on the markets uh, less risky product, uh, market uh, will behave in such way that people will rather rather use the less risky uh, substances if they are regulating uh, access legally, accessible legally. So. Uh, one uh, example is uh, we reduced in the Republic, reduced the um, number of heroin users from estimation of fourteen thousand. Our main problem is methamphetamine, but from fourteen thousand of uh, heroin users to to about three thousand because we widely allowed Uh <clears throat> Of course, it's also on on the black market, but people uh, people don't have to uh, use so much money for subutex. So this is an example or or a possibility how to go forward. We have a new bill now in in the Czech Parliament where we want to 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 introduce a regulated regulated market with substances which are not. Uh, which are not uh, internationally regulated because it's easier legally, such as kratom or AHC, Instead of putting it on prohibit- prohibition list, uh, we want to regulate it uh, in a by market regulated market. So, uh, last last sentence, I was I want to say to continue with prohibition. Uh, it's not only inhumane, it's against any evidence today, and it's, uh, it's supporting wars and terrorism today. Mm-hmm. So let me use a sentence from a Bible. Uh, one important person from the history says uh, in the Bible, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn who it is. I want mercy, not sacrifice.
0: That was Jindřich Bobrel, National Drug Coordinator of Czechia. Let's hear now from Christine Stegling, Deputy Executive Director of UNAIDS.
4: For many years now at CND and elsewhere, there has been a strong recognition of the need for both a human rights and a public health approach to drug policy, along with commitments to take action. But promises have not led to programs. At the midterm review next year, we will be presented with a bleak picture. We are not on track. In the last five years, the number of countries with needle and syringe programs has not changed. And while there's a slight increase in the number of countries with opioid agonist treatment, still only 18% of people who inject drugs have access. It is true that we are seeing countries move towards a decriminalization approach. However, in many cases, it is replaced with equally punitive administrative approaches. The impact of our inaction is before our eyes. Among the general population, annual numbers of people acquiring HIV has reduced by 38% since 2010, 13% since 2019. However, among people who inject drugs, there has been no apparent change in infection rates. HIV prevalence is seven times that of the rest of the population. And in some countries, more than 50% of people who inject drugs are living with HIV. Since 2010, we have not moved. We are stuck. What is frustrating is that this is not rocket science. We have the tools and experience to take a human rights and public health approach. They work, they're efficient and affordable. The report of OHCHR lays out critical, actionable priorities that, from our perspective, are fundamental to redirecting drug policy towards health and rights, and ending AIDS as a public health threat. I want to draw attention to four key recommendations in this report that are critical if we are to make any progress at all. We must introduce and scale up voluntary community-based harm reduction, the entire comprehensive package outlined in the WHO guidelines for key populations, but particularly needle and syringe programs, opioid agonist therapy and overdose prevention. Where these programs are to scale, HIV incidence does decrease. Second, we must decriminalize drug use and make sure that in doing so, our administrative approaches don't recreate the harms of criminal laws. In the 2021 political declaration on HIV, states called for removal of laws that create barriers to accessing services, recognizing that it's not just criminal laws that can harm HIV outcomes. Third, the above two must be done in collaboration with communities, led by people who use drugs. This is critical if programs and law reform are to have any chance of success. Yes, as we, Yet, as we reported on World AIDS Day, two-thirds of reporting countries said they do not involve people who inject drugs in HIV decision-making processes, rendering them the most excluded key population. Fourth, and finally, we must fund evidence-based public health programs for people who use drugs and the communities themselves. We estimate that 2.7 billion is needed every year for harm reduction. Yet countries are reporting less than 1% of that in expenditures. When we go to the CND next year, I hope we can be honest in our assessment of where we are and practical discussions of where we need to be and how to get there. This report provides an excellent overview of the problems and shortcomings of the current approach and clear guidance on how to course correct. This is not about tinkering around the edges. That is outlined in this report about a fundamental shift in how we approach drug use and support our communities to lead.
0: That was Christine Stegling, Deputy Executive Director of UNAIDS, speaking December 10th at a special event to discuss a new report by the OHCHR entitled Human Rights Challenges in Addressing and Countering All Aspects of the World Drug Problem. Here's Anne Fordham, Executive Director of the International Drug Policy Consortium.
5: IDBC is really pleased to co-host this um, important event with such a large and esteemed list of co-hosts. For those working on reforming global drug policy, the report that presented here today is truly historical and groundbreaking. For decades, the unrealistic goal of achieving a society free of drug abuse has driven drug policies based on prohibition, criminalization, and harsh punishment. Following the 2016 UNGAS, there's been growing emphasis in UN drug policy making on the health, human rights and development dimensions. However, in reality, this rhetorical trend has not resulted in a true shift in national policies in many parts of the world. And with this report, the High Commissioner for Human Rights has unequivocally recognized that prohibitionist drug policies drive widespread human rights violations and fuel discrimination. When the report was released, 134 NGOs from all over the world joined a collective statement to welcome its findings and recommendations. And we recognize that the High Commissioner had provided a concrete set of recommendations to transform global drug policies away from the failed punitive paradigm. It's also heartening today to see that other key entities within the UN system are also vocally supporting this landmark report. UN system wide coherence on drug policy has been a key advocacy objective for IDPC since our inception, as well as bringing the worlds of Vienna and Geneva closer together, which we're also doing here today with this event. So the question really is what should member states do? What should be the next steps for countries that are committed to a human rights based drug policy? I'll use my brief remarks to propose a few recommendations. Let me start with member state delegations and UN bodies working at the heart of the UN drug control regime here in Vienna. The reality is that UN drug control bodies have delivered very little progress on aligning human rights and drug policy. While it's clear and very welcome that human rights issues and human rights actors are increasingly visible and present here in Vienna, thanks largely to the tireless work of the OHCHR and many like-minded member states. The last CND resolution explicitly on human rights dates back to 2008, that's 15 years ago. When it comes to actual human rights language in the UN drug control setting, there's been almost no substantive progress since the 2016 UNGAS Outcome document. We are yet to see a resolution that recognizes or encourages the contributions of human rights bodies here in Vienna. This stagnation stands in stark contrast with the new resolutions that are coming from the General Assembly and the Human Rights Council, which are bringing drug policy debates um, bringing to the drug policy debates critical issues such as in the rights of indigenous peoples, farmers' rights, racial discrimination, and support, unequivocal support for harm reduction. And if this is not resolved, the CND will become less productive and therefore a less relevant policymaking body. In addition, UNODC has done some important work on human rights at an operational level, on certain issues such as compulsory drug detention and the HIV response for people who use drugs. However, in our view, the agency still fails to systematically place human rights at the center of its work. The clearest example of that includes includes a lack of reference, evidence or recommendations on the human rights dimensions of drug policies in the World Drug Report or its silence in the face of grave human rights violations committed in the name of drug control, such as the death penalty. The lack of a forceful defence and promotion of the decriminalisation of drug use and possession for personal use, a policy that is at the centre of the UN common position on drugs is also very concerning. Facing these realities, The member states and UN entities entities that are committed to aligning the global drug control regime with human rights need to take a step forward and coordinate in order to ensure that the human rights agenda has has the central space in Vienna that it deserves. Some actions in that direction could include... Ensuring that the outcome document of the upcoming midterm review welcomes this new report by OHCHR and brings in the positive language developments on racial justice, indigenous people's rights and harm reduction that have emerged in the General Assembly and at the Human Rights Council. Member states could also consider introducing new resolutions on the human rights dimensions of drug policy. Member States should urge UNODC and its executive director to report consistently on the human rights dimensions of drug policy and to unequivocally call out human rights violations and to promote clearly harm reduction and decriminalization. And of course, OHCHR should continue to cooperate with OHCHR, sorry, UNODC should continue cooperating with OHCHR in order to support the continued presence of human rights experts at the CND. Let me conclude briefly with a recommendation also for Geneva. We have seen how OHCHR and human rights mechanisms are increasingly reporting on drug policy. Over the last decade, their contributions have changed the face of global drug policy debates and the report that is being discussed here today is a culmination of that effort. However, the work of special procedure mandates has been limited in scope, depends on the personal interest of the mandate holders and lacks consistency. If we want to have a genuine understanding of the human rights dimensions of drug policy and to generate recommendations that will change the system, there are many topics that require more attention. As the international community moves towards a human rights-based approach to drugs, we suggest that the creation of a special procedure mandate, either a special rapporteur or a working group on human rights and drug policy, is necessary to develop in a coherent and systematic way the international standards that are necessary to bring a new policy paradigm to reality. Finally, I do really believe that the presentation of this report in Vienna today is a historical moment that builds on the encouraging momentum that we've seen over the past decade in firmly centering human rights and UN drug policy debates. And our hope is that true transformational change is coming that heralds a genuine paradigm shift away from repression and punishment towards drug policies that truly prioritize human rights development and social justice.
0: That was Ann Fordham, Executive Director of the International Drug Policy Consortium, speaking December 10th at a special event to discuss a new report by the OHCHR entitled Human Rights Challenges in Addressing and Countering All Aspects of the World Drug Problem. And for now, that's it. Thank you for joining us. This has been Century of Lies. I've been your host, Doug McVeigh. Century of Lies is a volunteer production for Community Radio and syndicated via the Pacifica Foundation Radio Network's Audio Port Service. Please, support your local community radio station. Find this edition of Century, along with an archive of past shows, at the Drug Truth Network website, drugtruth.net. You'll find a link there to subscribe to the Century of Lies podcast. We'll be back in a week with 30 more minutes of news and information about drug policy and the failed war on drugs. For For the Drug Truth Network, this is Doug McVeigh asking you to examine our policy of drug prohibition, the Century of Lies. Drug Truth Network programs archived at the James A. Baker III Institute for Public Policy.